My administration is 100% committed to eradicating human trafficking from the earth. This form of modern-day slavery here in the United States and all around the world. We are dismantling the criminal organizations that make large-scale human trafficking possible. We will not rest until we've stopped every last human trafficker and liberated every last Welcome back, everyone, to The Believer, The Unbeliever, and The Inbetweener podcast. Today, we will be discussing a topic that is very serious as well as tragic, and that topic is human trafficking. I know when I think of trafficking, it brings to mind such movies as Taken and Trafficked, but unfortunately, this doesn't just happen in the movies. Traffic is a, trafficking is a very real and serious crime. We have with us today, Devana Dre, who has been active in fighting against trafficking for many years. And she's gonna help us gain a better understanding of what trafficking is. Uh, she's gonna cover some of the different types of trafficking that exist. She's gonna help us spot a victim of trafficking. Um, if we ever were to see someone in public that might be a victim, she's gonna help us identify how we can know that. And she's also going to um, let us know all that we need so that we can be aware of what to avoid so that we and our families don't become victims of trafficking. So we just want to welcome you, Devana. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome, Devana. So nice to have you. Thank you all. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, just to start off, just to let you know, this is a slate slavery and human trafficking awareness month and so your timing is perfect to touch on this very tragic subject yeah so thank thanks you. for reminding us of that Devon. Yeah. i had forgotten about that so thank you and let me just um give our listeners some of your credentials so you're an ordained and licensed minister you're also the founder of the consulting agency moments matter ministries where you minister to children and families, and you also manage a private group on Facebook called Children's Lives Matter Rescue. So, you know, you sound really busy <laughs> and very involved. Um, so, Devana, would you go ahead and give us a little bit of your background, you know, your story and how you became active in fighting against trafficking? Well, sure thank you. Yes, absolutely. So um, my story begins as a child um, surviving intense abuse myself. I was not trafficked, but I was not protected. And so um, I did end up in a very serious situation with, um, I was seven at the time. And until I was about 11 and a half, I was abused by uh, a older teenage boy who then became a man. Um, I ended up with a um, rape, a pregnancy and an abortion at 11 and a half years old. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely understand the tragic sexual abuse side and uh, the victimization of being exploited. Um, so that being said, um, I, moving on in my life and, and just receiving incredible um, counsel and support and, and through my own faith journey, 
Um, I have come a long, long way. And, you know, I, I just believe that everything that happens to us can be used for good to help somebody else. And so as a young woman, I was always um, interested and somehow involved in helping victims that uh, I met through different organizations I worked with, churches I worked with, school districts I worked with, and doing whatever I can. I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I do have um, education and background in in spiritual counseling mainly. So anyway, I, um, at the age of 25, I was contacted by an amazing woman who I believe is the founder, the original founder of, uh, helping children, especially in, uh, the sexual exploitation and trafficking. Her name is Dr. Lois Lee. And she started an organization called Children of the Night right on Hollywood and Vine in California here. And um, I was contacted by that agency to come and, and be a walk-in counselor. What that meant was the office that Children of the Night uh, had was um, obscure. There were no signs. There was no advertising where we were because it was dangerous. And uh, this was in 1985 and 1986. And at that time, it was called children, child prostitution. Mm -hmm. For years and years, we labeled children under 18 that were um, involved in selling their bodies for sex as child prostitutes. So as I was working with Children of the Night, we would do things called night walks. We would literally walk the streets of Hollywood, uh, primarily on the weekends, and we would find the children. Uh, the average age then was 14, 12 to 14, as it is now, not much has changed in that fact. Um, and we would do everything we could to try to what we called get them out of the life. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, then we would do things like um, take them to get their social security number because, you know, in the 80s, it wasn't required when now when our babies are born, they get their social security number, right? But so we would try to, first of all, reunite them with their family. And 75% of the time, that was impossible. Um, a lot of these children were throwaways. They were runaways um, and their parents or families were not uh, interested in having them back. It's, that, that's a whole story in itself. So I worked with Children of the Night for a couple of years and I learned a lot about the exploitation of children. That was the beginning of my journey. And then as I got married and had my own children, um, I was always involved somehow in the safety of children and protecting children. Um, in any way I possibly could, but I'll have to tell you this last year, 2020, of course, brought all kinds of craziness to all of us, but the, the light that has exploded and is shining on this horrific issue is so bright that if anyone is not able to see it or know what's happening, um, 
it's no, it's really the information is out there. And I believe now towards the end of 2020, I believe now more and more people have become aware. The beginning of uh, our COVID uh, quarantine time, I would say 80% of the population had absolutely no idea this was even an issue. So that the fact that COVID shut us down, the world stopped, but exploiting children and young adults did not stop. It kept moving. So it became more noticeable. And that, that is why um, I, I feel like today we are able to have these discussions on, on podcasts like this, on radio shows, on television, um, because the light is shining and it is time for us to do something radical. Children are waiting to be rescued. And so that's really how I got into um, what I'm doing today. Yeah, you know, you mentioned about COVID and how it's, you know, bringing a lot of awareness to trafficking. Um, you're making me think of TikTok. Like sometimes when I scroll through TikTok, I'll see a video pop up where, where, where they'll mention being uh, mindful of your car. Like if you come outside after you've been shopping in a store. And if you see the, um, the initials G1 or F1 or B1 or I for infant, like marked on your bumper or on the hood of your car, um, that that's one of the ways that they're monitoring people. And if you go, if you have that marking on your car and then you go to touch the handle of your car, that's how they know it's you. And then they usually abduct the kids. Have you heard about that? Savannah? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, there are actual cases that happened in um, a Costco parking lot and a Walmart parking lot uh, in this last year um, in 2020. Yes. That is one small way that there are, um, there are people trained in the industry of trafficking children. They are called snatch gangs mm. and they are literally trained to know how to uh, spot and snatch children out of their parents' arms, out of their parents' cars. And it's global. It is global. So that is one aspect of the snatch gang phenomenon. That's interesting. And I heard wow, you that is scary. That, yeah. Hmm. I heard you mention the ages, like really between 12 and 14 is, is really like a high target age. That is the age. Uh, now, the best thing for us to understand is there are so many layers of of this issue. So sexual trafficking of children starts at infancy. Uh, but the primary age that when if you were to contact your local sheriff's department, and, and I recommend everybody do this wherever you live, you contact your local sheriff's department and you say, do we have a human trafficking task force? And most likely they're going to say yes. And you ask them a few questions. And one of the questions should be, what is the average age of uh, 
children or people that are being trafficked for sex um, trafficking exploitation, they'll tell you 12 to 14. However, uh, and this is where we can get in the timeline of how we got to where we are today, the, um, the internet phenomenon of video sales in the deep dark web starts at infancy. So, so children, toddler, uh, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, young children are being um, snatched. They're being raped on video. And then those videos will sell hundreds of thousands of times. So um, there's so many layers of what, what is actually happening to children. Wow. What a sick world we live in. We, it, exactly. Exactly. And I, I don't know if you're interested now, but there is a little bit of a timeline of how we got to where we are today. If you're interested in mm. hearing my perspective on that, I've done my research and I'm like, wow, sure. This is how got here. So, yeah, and also, and also, Devana, as you're sharing that, if you can also share with us the different categories of trafficking, because when you were sharing with me offline, it's not just sex trafficking that falls under trafficking, you were saying. Correct. So there's three main aspects of trafficking. There are probably others, but these are the three that we're dealing with um, right now and that has caught the attention of the world. Uh, sexual trafficking of children and young adults, young men and young women, um, slave labor, which has been around since humankind, um, but it has, uh, it's almost as if it's been reignited, which is really sick and scary. Um, or maybe it's just because we're more aware because of our, of the availability of, you know, through technology to be aware of everything that's happening. But um, so sex trafficking, slave labor, and this is the shocker is organ harvesting. Oh. So organ harvesting is huge in other countries, but it is happening in America. And so those are the three that we're dealing with. And there is no specter of age with any of those three categories. It, it can start from infancy to, um, you know, 50, 60 year old men and women that are still being trafficked for slave labor um, and organ harvesting. So yeah, those are the three. And the, and the timeline on this is really interesting. So, you know, Tra sex exploitation has been around also, like slave labor, almost since the beginning of time, sadly. But in our modern time, this is how it appears we got to where we are. So, you know, in the 1920s, 1930s, when it, the entertainment in industry started with uh, silent movies, and then it went to talkies, right? Um, speaking movies. Um, right away, there was this big interest in children. There was, there was a whole phenomenon called baby burlesque. And even our beloved uh, Shirley Temple was part of baby burlesque as a toddler, as a preschool age 
um, little girl. And it was very popular. And these movies, these little vignettes were made with, with children, toddlers and preschoolers being dressed like adults and being, being put in situations like adults where they were kind of in romantic scenes with other baby toddlers, <laughs> um, but in their diapers. So they would, yeah, they, so the little females would be dressed with jewelry and all the makeup and high heels and a, some kind of a flashy blouse, but then a diaper. The little boys were in like a, a tuxedo top, but then a diaper. So it was very popular. So then, of course, Hollywood and uh, the industry just kept progressing. And the more that they would try and that the public would accept, the more brazen they became. And children were, were very much part of exploiting um, for sex, sexual interest and that kind of thing. So that was in the 30s. Then we get to around the early 50s with who, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Alfred Kinsey, but the Kinsey mm. Institute. So Alfred Kinsey, is his title is the godfather of, um, what is it, sexuality or sex education. So he is a known, um, he's, he's very well-respected in many circles in academia, but what he started was this sexual revolution. That's what it is. He's the godfather of the sexual revolution. And he started off with um, exploring sexual behavior and all of that. But, but what was found later after he was actually very embraced and accepted in academia, starting at uh, the college level, then high school, then junior high, if any of you remember all the little videos we were shown, you know, in junior high and high school about our bodies and all of that. A lot of that came from the Kinsey Institute. Um, he, there is some, some good work that came out of that, but he was a known pedophile. And what was found out later was he actually had experimented on children as young as four years old to do a lot of his research. He actually interviewed other pedophiles to produce this research on the fact that um, it should be acceptable for adults and children to have a, a physical love relationship with one another. And out of that came later on, you know, the um, NAMBLA, which is the, oh, let me make sure I get this straight, the National uh, Men and Boys Love Association started in 1978, but then you had, of course, um, Hugh Hefner started Playboy, which normalized pornography. Then you had Hustler magazine, which made it even more acceptable in the public. And, and all of these things were happening under the guise of this is for adult entertainment. But when you research it, um, there, is, there, there is a part of these agencies that dealt with sadly, child exploitation. Now, I had uh, the interesting opportunity to go to the Playboy Mansion twice, believe it or not, um, because Hugh Hefner, very interesting, he was a big supporter of Children of the Night financially. And his personal, uh, his personal reason was, he said to Dr. Lois Lee, 
I don't believe in exploiting children under 18. Um, so he would support uh, financially and he would let us store valuables in some of his, uh, his garages at his mansion. And that's how I ended up going there was taking goods that were donated that needed to be secure in his storage units on his property. But, you know, all of this to say, this is a timeline. Then came the internet and it changed everything. And right now, ladies, our big, big push and our big fight is about the internet because it is literally exploiting, well, the estimate right now is 1.2 million children are being exploited globally through the internet. America is the biggest buyer and the biggest seller of child pornography. And it's all through the internet. Children are being exploited through the internet. Um, and that's, uh, Stephanie and I talked about the shocking reality of how that's happening. And it's very disheartening. So that's a bit of a timeline. Well, thank you so much for that, Devana. That was w well explained. And you were sharing with us how um, a lot of this child exploitation on the web is happening through the, the dark web. Yes. Right. Yes. What is the dark about, web? What, what the is the dark, dark web? The dark web is, is uh, a part of the internet that is used, that is supposed to uh, be monitored, uh, but it's not. Mm. In fact, if you've ever heard of Pornhub, I don't know if you've mm -mm. heard of Pornhub. They're the largest distributor of pornography in the world. Um, but they just got busted, finally busted, for all the hidden child pornography that was going on through Pornhub for years and years. And uh, sadly, you know, you could use your Visa, MasterCard, and American Express to get to these, these videos that were featuring children. And this all just came out about six weeks ago. So there's a lot happening right now regarding the deep dark web. So How did the it get to be so difficult for them to bust them? It, it's hard. Uh, it, I'll tell you. I mean, the I, reality is... Story, but. Well, the reality is, sadly, there are people involved in the, the uh, sexual exploitation which is kind of what we're talking about of the three categories right now in every walk of life from government to entertainment, to sports, to uh, hotel industry, to airline industry. I mean, in every military and every kind of agency or industry you can imagine, there are people involved. This has been proven if you look at the reports, and here's some valuable um, information that everybody should be researching on their own, which is the TIP report, trafficking in person report that our country puts out every year. And it gives us statistics about what's happening, what, who's been rescued, 
what agencies are involved, and then there's ICE. Now, whatever people think of ICE as far as immigration, ICE is the number one agency that is actually rescuing trafficked children and young adults. Um, their reports are amazing and they're available to any American can look up these reports and read them. It's hard reading and you've got to be, uh, you know, sit down and, and block out your time and, and just sit there and go through the sections of what's actually happening. But um, our Homeland Security agencies, our local sheriff's departments, they all have reports. And so when you read the reports, you see of who all's involved. And it's, it's heartbreaking because uh, human trafficking of children right now is, it's a $300 billion industry. That was the latest number. Um, and, and it's just growing. Uh, one of my thoughts that came to me today was, I'm super glad that we're not having the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl has been the number one venue for trafficking, sex trafficking in the last decade. And just really? two, yes, the Super Bowl. And huh. just two years ago, finally, uh, law enforcement agencies from all over the world joined together and started um, purposely planning on sting operations to catch the sellers and the buyers of these victims for the Super Bowl. So, now, Can yeah. you walk us through that a little bit? Like, how, how does that work? So, it's, it's connected to the deep dark web. Of course, you've got, these victims are victimized like this. They're victimized in the actual uh, physical connection with whoever their abuser is. And then now, almost eight times out of 10, they're being put on video. So then every time a video is sold in the deep dark web, then they're being re-victimized, right? Hundreds of thousands of times sometimes. So you've got these sellers, which is funded by people that I'm not, I talked to Stephanie about this. I'm not throwing out names because I don't think that it is, um, it is our job to throw out the names. I think it's the individuals listening to your podcast and people that are interesting, interested in being part of the solution of this horrific problem to research themselves. And you can find the names of very famous people involved in this stuff. But um, so you've got these sellers that are funded, that includes these snatch gangs. They, um, if it's through the internet, they will, they will target um, vulnerable children. This is a way that you can uh, learn how, how children become victims, okay? They are mostly uh, vulnerable children, whether it's in America or in other parts of the world. Um, children that are subjected to poverty and are compromised in every kind of way, um, they are victims. If you look at the victims that were part of the Epstein uh, Island situation, he was recruiting and using young girls to recruit their friends in a low-income area at a high school. 
um, because they were vulnerable, they were needy, they were uh, enticed by the money they could make because they just needed money. And this is your typical situation with uh, young children that are being trafficked. So these sellers are funded by big money. They're trained. Um, let's say for the Super Bowl, basically what happens is there's connections in through all of these internet connections of who's looking, who's wanting to buy. And when the sellers find the buyers and they connect them and they say, okay, so let's say Super Bowl's in person, you know, it's in wherever, where was it last year in Florida? I can't remember, but um, you know, we will set you up with your, with your, uh, victim basically at six o'clock on the night before Super Bowl at such and such hotel. And that's, that's basically how it happens. Or we will have a limousine there with said child. Um, and it, this is big money. So there was so many uh, layers of, um, it's almost like anything. You could buy what you could afford in sex trafficking. So as it relates to the Super Bowl, what I'm hearing you say is that like, let's say, let's say the buyer is planning to attend the Super Bowl in person and they're thinking to themselves, hey, before the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl, I want to pay for a child that I can sexually exploit. Yes, Exactly. And there are websites set up for these things. There are, believe it or not, Facebook pages set up for these things. And um, Facebook is a whole other conversation that we could get into. Um, but yeah, there are ways and these buyers know they can find the sellers. And it's all through the internet. It's all through the, the web. Now, can you give us some scenarios on how um, children are recruited and young adults are recruited into these trafficking rings? I mean, you touched on a few, but can you give us other scenarios? Yeah, so let's, we'll talk about in America right now. In, in the third world countries like Cambodia, Thailand, um, many parts of... Um, in India, in Africa, there that's a whole different way of recruiting. Uh, they're not recruiting, they're, they're basically just taking these like children. Kidnapping kind of. Yes, in America, it's different. So in our suburban neighborhoods, there is trafficking happening. And again, if people don't wanna take my word for it, they can contact their local sheriff department and just ask them. Uh, what's happening is um, you, you may have a couple of uh, 16, 17 year old boys and one of them says, hey, I have a cousin, she's 12. I think that, you know, I could get her to do this, that or the other with you and I and let's see if she'll do it. And if she does it, then we say, okay, let's let her know that we want her to come back next Saturday and on Saturday, we'll bring a couple of guys in. We'll charge them each, you know, 25 bucks to, 
to uh, basically sexually exploit her and abuse her and will threaten her. If she tells somebody, we will say we'll kill her parents, we'll kill her siblings. This is happening. That's one way. That's neighborhood trafficking. Then there is through the internet. So the number one way that um, what we call groomers, again, these are the snatch gangs, and they're also snatching kids online. They, are, they know how to go through gaming. They, gaming is a huge way that children are being exploited. And so they will join a chat room of whatever game, Fortnite, however that works, and they'll start saying, oh, I'm eight, how old are you? You're eight also, oh, cool. Then within a few days, a week, they'll say, hey, let's send pictures of ourselves. Like, I'll send a picture of me. Okay, then a few days later, they'll say, hey, let's take pictures without our shirts on. And maybe a few days later, let's try it without our pants on now. Let's just, let's do naked. That's how they're getting to young children and grooming them. Then they may say, hey, isn't there a McDonald's by your house? Let's meet in the parking lot. And then, of course, it's a, you know, 40-year-old man, mainly men, women do it too. But, um, and then they're basically uh, abusing them and again, threatening them or kidnapping them. So that's kind of the, in America, what's happening. In some countries, there's actual, um, ranches, breeding ranches, where they have sexually trafficked young 12 to 16, 17-year-olds, and they, they allow them to get pregnant. They're having babies to be sexually exploited. The, again, the layers of this horrific issue are, are so deep, and each one deserves, you know, its own, uh, its own show because um, this, this is really happening. One thing to understand when, when COVID hit and we were all quarantined and you know the world stopped, the trafficking didn't, but the exploitation of children online at one point escalated 300%. Wow. In general, the pornography of children in 2020 escalated 136%. Mm just in 2020. So I know it's a lot of information and I, I don't mean to jump around, but those are some ways that, um, you know, that children are being spotted, uh, chosen, whatever you want to say, then they're being groomed and prepared for their lives to be completely destroyed. And, uh, the, the fact is there are so many children that are vulnerable right now, um, even through Google Classroom and Zoom as children have been online for education. I don't know if you heard, but in the beginning of the school year this year, Orange County, California had like three districts that were hacked on the very first day of school. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, pornography popped up to all these children 
a beheading of somebody popped up in front of all these children, all simultaneously. It was well-planned. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there are different ways that children are being groomed. And then of course we have our homeless youth. These are, these are children that are throwaways or runaways and they are extremely vulnerable to trafficking. Trafficking is happening through CPS and there are some good people that work through Child Protective Services um, protecting children that really need it. But there's a lot of troubling cases of trafficking happening through CPS as well. And people, again, you, anyone can look this up yourselves and you can find the articles and the information about this. Well, thank you, Devonna. Um, I have a question about college kids. Do they have anything to worry about? And if so, what should they be looking out for? Absolutely. And there, of, yes, they do, um, because there is, there's always going to be, uh, we used to call them pimps. Now I call them, we call them sellers, okay? There's always going to be the sellers, the ones that are making the money, profiting from, um, you know, exploiting somebody. And college-age students, young men and women that, need money. They may think that they're getting into something they can control uh, because they're earning money by maybe, you know, uh, what, what we call prostituting themselves, but they're being trafficked because they're being manipulated and they're being sold. And, um, and they find out quickly that they have no control whatsoever. Because once you step into that world, because mostly college-age students that get involved in trafficking, um, it's because they're desperate, you know? And again, the sellers know. They know who to look for. Mm-hmm. And it is happening in universities and colleges all over America. And that's, a, that's, again, that's a whole other layer that is being addressed. And just at, we're just at the tip of, of entering that realm of trafficking but yes they are very vulnerable Mm. when we were speaking offline i asked you the question about is there some sort of hub like does this is there like a centralized group or something that's running this and you had mentioned to me that from your research and understanding that hollywood was a really big hub. Can you explain that a little more? You know, the entertainment industry in general, um, sadly, there are good people in every industry, right? But it has definitely been a hub for exploiting uh, children and young adults in order, they're manipulate, they manipulate them with the possibility of becoming a star, becoming famous, becoming a model, becoming a, you know, a Grammy winner through the music industry. The music industry, by the way, is a huge hub for child exploitation. Um, so that's one area that's a hub. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of internet works 
Are you familiar with Internetworks? No, I'm not. Okay. So Internetworks, this is part of big tech. And uh, there, again, there are people in every kind of industry that are making a lot of money off exploiting uh, through trafficking sexually um, mainly and organ harvesting. Um, slave labor is something that's happening more in other countries in person, but when we're talking about the internet. So internet works. It's kind of a conglomeration of eBay, Reddit, Snap, GoDaddy, Pinterest, Dropbox, Etsy, and Wikipedia. These are some of the corporations that are involved. They're kind of one big hub is what it is, internet works. Um, so have you ladies heard of the last few days, this whole argument in the uh, politicians are fighting over what they call Section 230 of um, in Congress, where it's a section that right now, it's an outdated law that protects internet uh, companies for freedom of speech, I guess, is the best way I could put it right now. That's probably not the most educated term, but it's outdated because these internet works is really pushing to keep section 230 on the books as a bill when it needs to be revamped because there is no protection for children right now and for victims of trafficking uh, through the internet. And we have to do something about it. That is a big, big way. If people want to know how they can get involved, to start contacting your legislators and say, where do you stand on Section 230? Because if we can at least just get it revamped and re, uh, redone so that it actually uh, protects, especially children, through the internet. But the hub is... Um, is in wealth. It's with wealthy people globally. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of um, organizations that have been uh, named as um, promoting or hiding sexual exploitation, which it, it goes anywhere from, you know, the Catholic church, we all know about, well, any church, but the Catholic Church is a big, big, um, has been a big, big hub for child exploitation and abuse that has been hidden for years and years. Boy Scouts of America, which, by the way, Alfred Kinsey of the Kinsey Institute was, uh, you know, a Boy Scout his whole childhood. He was an Eagle Scout. He was very involved and Boy Scouts of America has just been uh, revealed as a, as a huge problem with, uh, they think over 100,000 victims that are alive right now are coming forward and saying they were abused. Um, you know, there's the Clinton Foundation is one of the foundations that's being investigated for things that happened in Haiti with uh, thousands and thousands of children. Um, there is uh, agencies 
within agencies, um, organizations within uh, famous companies from, um, I'm trying to, I should have written this down. And, you know, again, these are things that people can look up themselves, but um, I just want to see here. But I, I, my point is the hub, I believe, started in our modern day trafficking as I went through that timeline, did start with the entertainment industry. Okay. And I believe it has spread to so many of the big tech uh, companies and that has to be a focus right now. We have to do something about it. Okay. I'm curious to know about a little more about organ harvesting in, in the sense of, because I heard you say, you know, there's no age limit. They'll go after anyone regardless of the age. Um, how, how, is that happening? Like, for example, is that something any of us here in America have to be worried about? Is this something where we're going to be out shopping in a mall and we walk outside to our car and someone throws us in a van and or harvests our organs? Like, is, is like, yeah. how does that all work? And is that I, even, I was thinking that, yeah. yeah, is that something you even have to be concerned about? Yeah, like I was thinking, like, you know how you go to, like, these storefronts that are, like, massage therapists, and they say, oh, you know, $25 to get a massage. You know, I was, like, thinking, what if that would be a great front? Is that how, how point, that works? Yeah. You know, Michelle, that's interesting you brought that up. Because uh, a couple of months ago, uh, somebody posted an article about massage um, parlors and that they are a front for trafficking. Uh, mainly sexual exploitation, but um, um, boy, this person on, I think it was through Facebook, got reamed, like, how dare you, you know, those poor people are just trying to make a living doing massages. Well, then an art, another article came back with um, a big bust that happened with a chain of massage parlors. So not all massage parlors are bad, but it definitely is a front. So here's the thing in America. Our organ harvesting um, and whatever anybody's view is on um, abortion is not my point here, but organ harvesting is starting with um, preborn babies, right? When they're aborted, they are selling their organs. That is out there. It's, it's happening. It's not a secret. So that's where it's starting. For um, People in other countries, um, third world countries, especially countries I know in Cambodia and Thailand are two big countries where they are being snatched and uh, taken to a poorly conditioned type of a surgical area. And yes, their organs are being stolen out of their bodies and then sold. Wow. So in America, we now have these vans that have been found where actually it's a surgical van and inside is a surgical table with all the devices and things needed to quickly remove a kidney or a, you know, a spleen or whatever they're going to remove and um, throw their subject back out on the street. Yeah, that is happening. I don't, I think we're at the beginning of discovering 
how serious that is and how rampant it is. I don't think it's as rampant as it will be if we don't start doing something about it, but it is out there. Carry a gun, carry a gun. Tell their story about having their organs stolen or, or does everyone die? Not everyone dies, no. Uh, they, so basically it's like being kidnapped. They put you out, they remove a kidney, they mm-hmm. throw you back up and throw you out. Um, so again, that's, that's something to talk to local law enforcement in your cities and say, has this happened in my city? You know, just to find out. We can, that's the beauty of uh, it, you know, America. We can call and say, I want to know, is this happening? You know, and your local sheriff's department will talk to you. They all of our local sheriff's departments have a um, what do you call it? Uh, public relations, right? And they have a head of public relations. So that's what you want to ask. Ask these questions. Find out if it's happening in your city. Now, who's buying these organs? Is this like somebody in I don't know another country who needs a kidney and? They're low on the list of donors, and so they go on the dark web and they shop for kidneys. Like, who who's buying that product? I believe that's exactly what's happening, and it's okay. not just in other countries. It's people in America that are on a list, you know, and they're worried for their loved one, and uh, they're going to find a way to get what they want. And again, in every every industry, there's corrupt people. And you've got corrupt doctors and corrupt people that are selling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, happen- it's happening because people are desperate. And then the sellers, because they make big money from it. It's very lucrative. Now, so I'm just thinking this through, right? Like, God forbid someone in my family needed a kidney. I couldn't get one. I go on the dark web. I buy a kidney. I'm assuming... Like, I can't just walk into, like, any hospital and say, hey, I got a kidney. Can someone put this in for me? Like, I'm assuming that you'd have to hook up with a doctor who's willing to be a part of that, right? Yeah, exactly. From my understanding and my little bit of research on the organ harvesting side of it, that's exactly what it is. There is a chain. There is a, uh, a system in place. So when you've got your sellers, because all the seller needs is a buyer, right? And they've got their system set up. So they've got doctors and surgeons ready to make big money by doing it this way. Now, would they sell the organ to you directly as the buyer or would they sell the organ to the doctor and the organ would come into the hospital like on ice or something? That's what my understanding is. It's going through corrupt medical people. Chains. Okay. So Um, it's not like it would come via, like, I'm not trying to make a joke, but it wouldn't like come via FedEx to my house. It would, I don't know. It would probably go in through a hospital to the doctor, into the ER, right? Something like that. Or what about the, the guy that just took it from the van? Don't they have, I mean, they could just do the surgery. They took, took it out. Can't they put it back in? I don't know if they're actually... That's a good question, Michelle. Yeah, yeah that would be a good thing to look I'm at. I'm never leaving the house. Just want, just so you know, I will not <laughs> be gonna develop agoraphobia. my house. I am not. I'm staying in. My kids are staying in. That's it. Done. <laughs> my daughter's looking at me like, 
She's staring at me like with these <laughs> evil eyes. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, no one is leaving. <laughs> the, the good thing is we are learning more and more how to spot uh, predators of all kinds. And that's where awareness and yeah. educating ourselves is absolutely necessary for every American, every parent, every grandparent. Mm. Awareness mm. and educating ourselves is what is going to protect us. And carry a gun. Yep. <laughs> that works too. So, so let's, let's get into how do we spot them? So here's um, ways that you can spot groomers or snatchers, people that are looking for victims, okay? Um, a lot of times they will be, let's say right now nobody's in school. Well, I don't know about in your states. In California, our kids are not in school yet, our high schoolers. But um, there seems to be a, a connection. Let's say you've got, just like drugs, right? So just like how drugs are sold in a local high school, there's there's a kid, a junior or senior, sophomore in high school that has an uncle or a neighbor that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm selling cocaine or whatever. If you've got some friends that want to buy it, I'll, you know, I'll hook you up. You hook me up. That's exactly what's happening with um, sexual exploitation. So you've got somebody that is willing to uh, connect with this this seller that, uh, you know, what we used to call a pimp and find victims for them. That is what happened with the Epstein Island situation. I don't know if you guys, you ladies watched. The, I did. Uh, I yeah. watched it. I did. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So they, re they trained those 14 year old girls how to be recruiters. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's what's happening is, um, they're, they're able to, to form this chain of connection. And, and the way we spot them is by certain questions they're asking. I think the main way that I'm learning you can spot the sellers or the, the traffickers is when you see, uh, let's say victims, let's start with how you spot a victim. Okay, because if you can spot a victim, you can look around who's around them, who's possibly their trafficker. Mm, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, so um, victims, a lot of times, like here in my community, I live in the area of uh, not too far from Palm Springs. It's called Yukaipa. It's kind of a country area, um, you know, and it's interesting because We've had a lot of uh, trafficking situations in little Yukaipa in the motels and that kind of thing. So uh, a victim, let's say it's a young girl, 14 years old. She can appear to be malnourished. She'll so, show signs of, you know, some physical injuries and abuse. Let's say a parent all of a sudden notices that your daughter or son is appearing not to eat and to losing a lot of weight They've got bruises on their wrist or, um, you know, on their forearm or that kind of thing. Um, uh, they, they tend to avoid eye contact with the uh, adults in their lives. 
um, they pull back from social interaction. Uh, they don't want to have any kind of communication with authority figures, law enforcement, parents, you know, um, teachers. They, they just avoid any kind of authority figure. Um, they almost have scripted responses to questions. Um, and if there is social interaction, you can tell they're just pulling away. And they, they again, they've got like, they're being trained. They're being groomed on how to behave. So they don't reveal what they're experiencing and who's making them do it. Um, let's see. A, a lot, you know, we have in California, we're on the border of Mexico, right? So there is about 75,000 trafficked victims coming across that border every single year in, in California. That's just the California side, 75,000. And so if they don't have identification documents, um, that's a concern. A lot of times victims will, if, especially if you look around motel areas or even um, neighborhoods where there's abandoned homes, they'll appear destitute. Um, they don't have a lot of personal possessions with them. Um, they're out late at night, obviously. That, this kind of fits the picture of what we you know, see in movies with prostitution, right? But we're talking about 12 to 14 year olds here. Uh, if they're older, like you talked about college students, if they, let's say that, um, they're involved in being trafficked by somebody. They aren't returning to their dorm room or their apartment. They're kind of staying uh, away for two, three days at a time. Um, if they're checking into hotels, motels with older males, primarily, sometimes females, referring to those males as like boyfriend or daddy, uh, which is kind of street slang for their pimp. Um, poor physical and dental health. Uh, there's, oh, there's brands. This is a whole other topic of tattoos. There's a lot of branding that happening that happens with these sellers, these traffickers. They have a brand of a tattoo that they put on their victims' necks or lower back. That seems to be where they identify them. And what uh, does that tattoo look like? Is it a number? Is it? It's different. Image? It's almost like gang tattoos. So they come up with their own, if this is their group of trafficked victims, they have a tattoo. It could be anything. It could be an apple. It can be an, uh, a picture oh. of an eye. Yeah, it can be anything. But, you know, it, it's just an odd kind of... Uh, now, can, can some of these people escape or get out? I mean, you're mentioning, you know, if a parent has a child who's showing all of these signs or... Uh, symptoms why wouldn't these people just stop i mean is there the a way victim? to get out for them to stop yeah the victim well let me tell you just about my personal experience as a victim um there's a there's a there's a phenomenon of being frozen like you literally feel frozen in in place where you're afraid to say anything. You're afraid to not say anything. You're afraid to expose your, uh, your abuser. Um, 
these, these traffickers, they will threaten your life. They will threaten the life of your family, of your friends, of your siblings. Um, so yeah, they're afraid to get out of it is um, dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, one of the things that it's interesting that you just asked that question because um, one of the things that just, where was this? It just recently happened where it was a 14 year old girl. She had been being trafficked by basically some neighbors. Okay. And her family was being threatened. And the way that her parents started catching on was number one, she had, all of a sudden she had Gucci bags. She had brand new shoes she had items that they didn't buy for her and she was too young to have a job to afford it herself. So that was a red flag. She started showing all those symptoms of pulling back from authority, pulling back from her friend group, all that. But she had, she started having a lot of UTIs, uh, bladder oh, wow. UTIs. And, and that was a way that they were able to finally get out of her what was happening to her. Um, that's a typical scenario, but there are, and then what did they do? Like, did the parents call the authorities and yes. Yes. What do you do in a situation like that? Okay. Well, so you, you know, a medical, medical people will, they, a lot of times they're able to get to the truth more than a parent is right. Sure. Then they have to call child protective services. They have to call the authorities. And um, so that was how they were able to find out what she was going through. So one of our, we, we haven't touched on this, but the, the people that are boots on the ground rescuing victims right now, it's an amazing phenomenon that's happening. But one of the aspects of rescuing are called aftercare homes, okay? These are, these are uh, not so much foster homes. I mean, they are foster homes, but these people are trained extensively on how to help these victims heal after going through such a horrific abuse of being trafficked. So our local aftercare home that we are supporting in our community is called Run to Rescue. So Run the number two rescue. And um, I had them, we did a big event called Rescue Sunday. We're having our second Rescue Sunday on January 24th at our church at um, Grace Point Fellowship in Ukaipa. Um, but anyway, our first one was done in September. We had a good showing of uh, several hundred people. We had to do it outside, obviously, for social distancing. But um, Run to Rescue founders came and spoke. And one of the things that we did was we, we um, collected items for what I call comfort bags because our local sheriff, uh, human task force uh, person, his name was De uh, Deputy Greg Jones, just a phenomenal man. He was explaining that when children are rescued and victims are rescued, they're shivering, they're in shock, they're cold. So we collected all these items with homemade blankets and quilts and hoodies and things in these beautiful bags. So right when they're rescued, they get this. But Run to Rescue told me this. They said December is the biggest month that these victims will try to escape because all the feels and the sounds and the smells and all the stuff about Christmas and Hanukkah and all of it comes out in public and they start really missing their life before being trafficked and they will work harder 
of escaping. Isn't that interesting? Because they so desperately want that back in their lives. That made me cry. Mm -hmm. But but they were saying that December is the biggest month. That Right now they have 12 girls they're working with. And they said by the end of December, they would have probably double that. How do they escape? Yeah, like you said that they, they grab these kids and they're shaking and shivering. Where are they rescuing them from? They're rescuing them from motels. They're rescuing them from uh, abandoned structures, houses. Um, a lot of times a, a victim will uh, find a way to contact law enforcement and, and have them meet them somewhere. Um, if they're, that's older. That's like a 15 to a 17, 18, 19 year old. The young children, they aren't able to escape. If they've been kidnapped and they're being trafficked and and exploited in a permanent place on a permanent basis, it's going to take a miracle to find them. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's sad because it's happening. And Michelle, you were going to say something? Um, no, I was going to say, well, first I asked that question about the escaping. Oh yeah. I mean, like healing, you're talking about healing. Like what is, what are the, um, I don't know, like, do they, do they, does somebody actually heal from something like that? Such trauma at such a young age, you know, like, I'm just curious, like what is the success rate of really healing? Well, I'll talk, I'll respond to that as a person still healing and I'm 61 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. Um, The healing is a lifelong process, Mm -hmm. but, but the hope, there is so much hope when you are surrounded by loved ones. And um, if you're, if you're a, are in a faith community, your faith community, um, your, your doctors, your, your people, Right. I always say this. Everybody needs a team. So mm-hmm. you need a team, Michelle. Team Michelle might be your a couple of siblings, your close friends, maybe people from a faith community, you know, your your spouse, wh- whoever. You've got a team that you know you can you can depend on to back you up to be there for you when you're going through whatever you're going to go through, because we all go through stuff. So what happens in these aftercare homes is these children, and you got at our local one, Run to Rescue, their youngest was six years old. And so there is a process of, they they build their little team. It's their therapists, their doctors, their family members, because a lot of times these kids can't just go straight home to a family. Uh, you know, many times their family didn't protect them from it happening, right. To them, right? So as a person that's living through healing, it's a lifelong journey. But the hope, there is hope. And if you have the right team around you and uh, the right process of walking through the triggers that happen, walking through the trauma that, you know, you experience, you're going to be a productive functioning citizen. 
what's happening with a lot of victims, especially in other countries, they become traffickers because it's the only way of life they knew. So you, you go to a place like Cambodia and you'll go to the brothels where once it's dark, they start presenting the six and seven year olds oh. to the, to the men that show up to buy them. And it's their older sisters or their own mothers that are selling them because that's what happened to them. Mm. See what I mean? So mm. there, there is um, a process of healing for victims. I know for me personally, um, I, I have walked through at different decades in my life, different aspects of my healing and you know, for any of us, whatever we've been through in our lives, we can always turn it around and use it to help somebody else. But, but it is, it is a process and there is hope and there is healing. There's organizations out there. Um, a million kids shared hope operation underground railroad destiny rescue um, all of these organizations, they are the boots on the ground. They, they have trained former law enforcement, high-ranking, like Navy SEALs, um, you know, people that are, are out of uh, government agency or military or whatever, and they have now dedicated their lives to actually rescuing children. Um, they their stories are amazing, but those organizations are the ones that are rescuing children. Then they all have their aftercare program ready because if you don't have an aftercare program, that is more, almost more important than the rescue itself. You've mm -hmm. got to be set up in, in how you're going to help restore humanity to these victims. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like obviously you can't just pull them out of there and be like, all right, you're good now, have fun. And it's like, where do they go, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely like, not. They don't have a life to go back to sometimes. You know, the, that is the biggest um, mistake we've made for generations with any kind of victimization is we, we think that a victim can just go on and, and uh, go back to school, go back to work, go back to life as usual. And then when they mess up or they've got a personality issue and they're hard to get along with, you know, we get frustrated with them. Well, it's, it's all part of the process of um, you were groomed to be trafficked or used or abused. Now you have to be groomed to be a human being, a functioning, safe human being. And what one therapist told me at one time in my life, and believe it or not, I, ha I went through therapy uh, for the first time at 32 years old, and then the second time just three years ago. But my therapist said, for every year that I was abused, it's, it's about a 10-year process to restore that year emotionally for me. So, yeah. And, and that's why I, I think 
for me, what you ladies are doing right now by highlighting this issue, you are so part of the solution right now. This is what it's going to take. is just making people aware, encouraging people to educate themselves, research, call their local uh, law enforcement, call their legislators and say, what are we doing about it? How can I help? What do I need to sign? Where should I give money? I, I tell people, they're like, what can I do right now? I can tell you right now, and I'm not a fundraiser, but the bottom line is I would be giving money to the people that are actually breaking in to brothels and to suburban homes and rescuing these children. And that's these organizations that I just mentioned, Destiny Rescue, Operation Underground Railroad, um, A Million Kids, Shared Hope. Um, they're the ones actually doing the work. And that's a big way people can help right now is just by giving and helping to financially make this possible. Now, the people who are sent in to rescue these victims of trafficking, are these like Navy SEALs or former Navy SEALs? I mean, I would think that the, you'd have to be pretty trained to go in and take down some of these, these rings. I mean, what kind of forces are going in and rescuing these kids? Absolutely. So the number one agency that we have in America, this came from uh, a personal relationship with a federal agent is ICE. It's very dangerous. What they're doing is very dangerous, but they are ultra trained uh, and most of them have law enforcement or military law enforcement training. Um, so I personally, I, I don't even know if you can see me. I probably don't look very tough. There's so much in me that would love to be one of these people that gets to go bang down the door, <laughs> right? grab the child and right. hold on to them and help them get to that car and get safe. But I am not trained, right? right? So yes, you have to be trained as uh, law enforcement or military is in order to be the boots on the ground people doing it. It's very dangerous. Very uh, yeah, dangerous. I, would, I would think that it's really dangerous. I, I'm assuming that, that someone who might be listening who is interested in getting into uh, a task force like that how would they get into that? Would they start as like a police officer or would they have to go into the military? Like, let's say someone said, Oh, I would love to do that. I can do that. Like, how would they start that journey? I would recommend anybody listening to this that's interested and they're, you know, they're kind of in their prime and they're, they're like, I want to do this. Right. I would, I would contact operation underground railroad, Tim Ballard, is the founder of Operation Underground Railroad. And he is a former, I think he was a Navy SEAL, and then he worked for the government. See, our government actually, our federal marshals, if you've, I don't know if you ladies saw all the articles that came out since about August of these major busts, right? Rescuing hundreds of children. That have What's been going on with the people that they, are they arresting them? Are these yeah. guys, like they're rescuing these kids, but what, what's ha why is it still going on? Is it like a, who's in charge of all these rings? You know what I mean? Like, can't they get to, like, 
are they go? How long are they going to prison for? Are they going to prison for like ten years and they're coming out? Like, are they really putting them away and locking them up? Like, what? There's no end. It doesn't seem like there's an end. There's a, that's a great question because the mm -hmm. the ones that are actually caught with the with the victims, yes, they're being arrested. They're mm -hmm. being prosecuted. I don't mm -hmm. know what the average sentence is. Sadly, in California, we're getting ready to release. Oh. That's inmates that are sex, uh, they are, um, what do you call it? You know, they're, they're sex abusers, sex predators. predators. That's what they oh, went to prison for. And they're getting ready to release them back into why? the public. It's like, why? Why are they releasing uh -huh. these crazy it is people? Crazy. Like, they, they, it's, yeah, it's, it's just awful. It's just I don't know. I, I think because the government doesn't really talk to the medical community, um, and it really would be nice if they started to, because they would know that, you know, the recidivism rate for sex crimes is pretty much a hundred percent. And so, exactly. you know, it's kind of like if they knew what the medical community knows, uh, their sentencing would be a little different if they cared, I guess. If they cared. And see, mm -hmm. this is thing. sadly, the deep dark web includes people high ranking in a lot of, a lot of mm -hmm. places. And they're connected and they're making money. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but I don't want to sound hopeless here because this last, I would say since August, we have seen um, a huge uh, impact of, okay. So this uh, current administration, uh, the president signed two executive orders, one in 2017, one in 2020 uh, regarding uh, human trafficking. You can look those up. I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he did sign two bills uh, or two executive orders that, that called for action. And that is why we saw the federal marshals um, did, uh, it was Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Indiana, Florida, there were all these busts that happened and they rescued hundreds of children. So right now it's in the, pro this is all kind of new as far as it's out in the open, right? It's not new that they've been, uh, people have been trafficked, but it's new that it's out in the open and we're now, we're now starting to deal with it. Hmm. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, things need to, it needs to change because it's like, you know, if I carry a gun and, you know, I, I, someone sex traffics my kid and I go and I kill that person, I'm going to jail. You know, and it's like that sex trafficker or whoever's in charge or whatever, it, it, yeah, I'd get life in jail and they would, you know, walk in like three years or whatever it is. It's just, it's so ridiculous. Like, well, this, yeah, this is yeah. where, you know, obviously this goes down to the root of, we got to know who we're, we got to know who we're putting in offices that are making the mm -hmm. law because the laws have to change. Laws are outdated right now and they are not protecting victims of trafficking. They are not. So there are, um, there are people out there, you know, I'm, I'm a middleman. Okay. So yeah. what I'm doing right now is I'm just educating, educating myself. I'm trying to find out all the information so I can share it with as many people as I possibly can. I'm giving money. I'm holding events. I'm doing yeah. whatever I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
there are organizations that are out there now. There, by the way, there is a bipartisan um, bill that is being presented. It's by a Republican and a Democrat. Oh, what are their names? But they are they are coming together and they're trying to put a a new bipartisan effort bill called Stop Internet Sexual Exploitation Act. Uh, and you so, know, the, okay, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no you know, because what I'm going to say is probably going to have to get edited out. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say it. But uh, yeah, no, go ahead. You finish. Uh, and then I'll say it maybe after you say it. Go ahead. Well, Sorry. well, what I'm saying is uh, there are some new, uh, just recently, efforts being made to uh, get at the core of this issue. Uh, we can't. You know, everybody wants to focus on Epstein and Weinstein, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. lazy. That's lazy. Mm -hmm. it, it goes so much deeper than just what we found out. That's like more like more Hollywood uh, dramatic information. Mm -hmm. We got to go beyond that. And, um, and that is happening. It is happening. Um, you know, we, we are at a crossroads right now in America. We, we have to make a decision if we're going to start really protecting our children. Now, you as a mom, you're saying, absolutely, I'm going to protect my children. I'll, I'll shoot somebody. You know, I was a mama bear when my, I have three sons and three grandsons and oh my goodness, my sons are all in their thirties and they have stories to tell you about me. Mm -hmm. I can put up anything. I don't hurt my kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, we, this is where the African proverb comes to play. It does take a village. It takes a community. It takes a city, a state and a country. Mm -hmm. to stop this and this can be stopped there it can be stopped so um and by the way there's some amazing documentaries out there um stephanie you you mentioned a couple of movies yes there's uh there's one other movie i think is worth watching it's called eight days that's mm -hmm. a good one uh a couple of documentaries one is called out of the shadows and one is called Contraland, C-O-N-T-R-A-L-A-N-D, Contraland. Now, listen, if these things appear to start diving into what is considered conspiracy theory, I have a son that is a journalist, and he worked for ABC in the news department in Los Angeles. And he he had never even really heard of other than my experience working for children of the night of what was happening until about well right when COVID hit and then they started they started getting all this information um in the newsroom about the trafficking of children and he he was basically in meetings where they were were not airing that we're not airing that right now. What their reason was, I can't assume. I'm not going to speculate. That's not my job. All I know is 
is what my son said. They weren't, they weren't airing it. They weren't going to share those stories. Um, people started uh, realizing that their own children were being approached through their gaming, through their Zoom classes, whatever. And it just started all coming out, all right? So when all of these documentaries came out, there, there is half the country that labeled them immediately conspiracy theories, which is so sad and such a shame because I think that everybody owes it to the children. We owe it to them to at least try and see if this is legitimate information. And then we can determine for ourselves, okay, this sounds a little far-fetched to me, whatever, but we owe it to these victims that are waiting to be rescued to at least explore this information by former CIA, by former uh, military, by former uh, government agencies, by former uh, CEOs in the hotel industry, the airline industry, um, hospital industry. These people are talking and, and they're trying to tell us this is actually happening and it's a very lucrative business and a lot of people are making a lot of money off of the world's children. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, listening to all this is like, my daughter is, is 20 and she was working at this place called, um, well, I'm not gonna say the name, she was pl- working at this place and uh, she was approached by this woman. She would come in a lot. She would come into the store and, and kind of like, um, just was saying nice things to my daughter and everything. And then finally, you know, my daughter decided she wanted to quit the job and she mentioned to the girl that she was quitting. Well, they don't even know my daughter. They, they don't know her work ethic. They don't know anything about her. Well, she's like, Oh, my husband's looking for um, someone as like a personal assistant. She's 20 years old. She's never had any job experience. And, um, and I went with her, I went on this job interview with her and it did not sit right with me. Um, everything about it just didn't seem right. Like the location of, of the place, um, the way he was talking, I, I was there, but it was just so, so odd. And I had just this really sick, weird feeling about it. And, um, and I, I'm wondering like, if that was like grooming, you know, like I'm wondering if they, they targeted her and, you know, she, the, the wife came in and, and tried to set up a relationship with her and, I don't know. I mean, I could just be speculating, but I tell you, it was just so odd. Just like it, the way they, oh, you're so this and that. They don't know her. How do you know? You know, she, they were just priming her as she's like this great person. And they gave her the job without even like getting a resume. There was no form she filled out. They were like, yeah, we would like for you to start. And this is, these are the, and it wasn't even like set days, set hours. It was just so odd, you know, working close to him and how he has high profile clients because he was apparently some physical therapist or something it was just odd and uh just by you talking about all this stuff for some reason just i don't know i think we did the right thing i i stuck my nose in as the mama bear and it didn't it didn't feel right for me and i you know talked to a lot of my friends about it you know stephanie you guys know and cheryl i told you about it right it didn't sound right right i mean it's not just really in my mind but being that the world is the way it is and all the stuff that you're saying, it's, it, could ha- it could be as innocent as, as a job interview and getting a job. And the next thing you know, who knows what could be happening. 
exactly. with these young girls. Yeah. I, I think that that is what it's going to take as far as parents, uh, relationship, uh, you know, your team, your daughter's team, your, which are her parents, her, you know, uh, educators, whoever she trusts. We have to go beyond what we used to go. Yeah, um, true. It's a different world. We don't want to live yeah. in fear. Living in fear is not the answer. But we mm -hmm. do have to be aware. And there is a fine line there. And I, yeah. I believe that, uh, like, if you find out in your community that they're going to hold some kind of a uh, event for uh, Slavery and Human Trafficking Awareness Month, go. Mm -hmm. You know, go to it. So we're doing one, uh, you know, and ours will be, again, open to our entire region. Uh, we're in San Bernardino County, which is the largest land mass county in America. And um, so we invite anybody that wants to come. We'll have a couple of uh, amazing guest uh, speakers that will give us real facts and real information about our county. Um, but the difference between living in fear and being aware is simply, uh, being vigilant. And that's what you were. That's what you were. And that's your job. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Yeah. yeah and, and it's interesting because it's like, for me, I, you know, yeah, I grew up, I'm, I'm 54 and, you know, yeah, I, I was thinking about, you know, my past and it's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I being too overprotective, but the way the world is today, you you really have to be involved and know what what you can't just send your daughter on a job interview anymore unless you know what company is it like who who is it this is like this was somebody I didn't even never heard of this company you know he put on a couple of YouTube videos and just something about him just seemed creepy it was just didn't seem right it didn't. It was just odd. You don't just hire somebody, especially as a personal assistant who's going to work with him alone. And it's like, why are you hiring my inexperienced 20-year-old daughter who worked at a juice bar? <laughs> it's like, yeah. she has no experience. And you want her to be your personal assistant. You want her to do the books. You want her to do the pay. Right? She has no experience. It just well, it everything. Sounds and so you like uh, anytime someone just walks up to you and offers you something, I mean, right? A red flag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was my red flag because I was thinking, excuse me, she. What do you mean? Like, if you want to work even, with her husband, I can't even count how many times in New York City I was approached on the street, mm. like, oh, you want to be a model? You know, come into this building yeah. right here, and or you know, or what about um scouting, Stephanie? Do you remember being like? Scouted out to scout. <laughs> to be a model scout. And you know what? That is that is how in the mm. eighth, uh children were were recruited for prostitution. Right. These were ways and throwaways, and they would literally take a bus. Uh, I'll tell you the average story that I encountered with the actual victims I was uh, helping in Hollywood. You know, here's a typical scenario. Believe it or not. Uh, 14 year old young boy is from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. His mom and dad got a divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, mom got a new boyfriend. He came home from school one day and mom moved. Moved wow. out of the house. Wow. That was yeah. more than once. And so then he got on a bus, decided, you know, somebody told him he could be an actor or whatever. 
go to Hollywood, somebody in his little community in Wisconsin, he ended up in on Hollywood and Vine being prostituted, being sold for sex. Cheryl had mentioned being approached in New York City. That, that is a typical way that they would groom children. They would say, you can be a model, you can be a famous actor, you know, come with me to this meeting and I'll get you all hooked up. That is still happening. That is still happening. But, but you did the right thing. And, and again, we have to train our children differently. One of my goals this year, I started it last year, but um, in the midst of all of this, I, my husband dealt with stage four cancer. Thank God he's okay. He made it through it. But in the midst, of, I was writing a little booklet um, based on a little series I wrote for my own grandchildren on a horse called Buster the Horse. But I wanted to use one of my little booklets to help young children be aware of somebody that might be trying to harm them. And it's very tricky. I, I, I'm still processing how to make this a booklet that's appropriate for an eight-year-old and doesn't scare them half to death, you know? Um, but we've got to train our children. We've got to train our young teenagers, our young adult children to be vigilant and be aware because there is a lot of money to be made. And just like anything, it's about the money. Right. You know, it's, I have my friend, I have a friend who has a 15 year old daughter who she's really struggling with right now. She's having a really hard time with her. Um, I, I want her to listen to this because she's having, like her daughter wants to wear skimpy clothing. Her kid is 15. She wants to wear the, the crop tops and all like short shorts and her mother and father are telling her, no, you know, they're saying it's, it's not appropriate and whatnot. Well, she's taking it to the extreme, you know, saying, you know, I look ugly and all this. Anyway, she's having a really hard time, but I think this is going to be an eye opener too for her, for the daughter to listen to, to see that in today's day and age, it's, you can't really like, dress like that because you are going to attract the wrong kind of people. Yeah, yeah you just, these kids don't yeah. realize it. They don't, they're, they're young. Like she's 15 and she, and this is what, and, and you're, I think she got exposed to the dark web too. And because the things that she's telling me um, that her daughter, you know, she found this website that her daughter was on and, um, and it, she couldn't even believe what she was seeing. And these are 15 year old kids and it's going around the schools. And this is where the young girl got, this website is from her friends in school and um well yeah see, this, it's uh mm -hmm. deputy greg jones of the san bernardino uh sheriff's department he's the head of public relations he is on their human task uh, human trafficking task force he he basically said uh that TikTok, um mm -hmm. facebook uh snapchat all of them are prime areas where mm -hmm. uh, teenagers especially are engaging that are so dangerous. He's like parents and he's got two teenage daughters and he's like, they hate me right now, but they're going to love me later. But he said, mm -hmm. we know every single password. We know right. everything about anything they're doing online and they hate it, but we don't care. Right. right. And, and you know, this TikTok. TikTok is 
it's yeah, bad. associated with some some bad some bad. bad. I was on yeah. it last night. I took it off my phone for the long. I took it off my whatever for the longest time. And it, what's really crazy is that everybody's doing TikTok. Adults are doing TikTok. Celebrities are doing TikTok. Every, all these big, 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 even pastors that you know, like the yeah. church, a lot of church, a lot of churches are on TikTok. So it's mm-hmm. it's sending a message to that it's safe, kids, right? That it's safe, and to the adults that it's safe. And it's it's when I went on it last night, it was early in the morning because I can't sleep. I have trouble sleeping, so I get up sometimes three in the morning. And you know, TikTok for me, I literally I couldn't even believe it. It's like anesthesia. I always say this. It's like it's like when you go on, you know. You, you're you're counting backwards, and all of a sudden you wake up, and it's you think it's been like a minute, but it's been like three hours. <laughs> TikTok yeah. like that. I literally three in the morning. I went on. I did not get off till five. I was a, doing TikTok, watching TikTok for two hours. I don't know how it just sucks you in, and you just you just keep scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling, and and it's like you know you see celebrity after celebrity, and it's like what are they doing in these dances, and and then but every once in a while. More than not every once in a while, you see a lot of things that are really disturbing. It's like, how do you, like, why did it show up on my TikTok? Like, why, like, and that means that if it's going to show up randomly on mine, what is it going to do with my daughter or, you know, these young kids that are on it? And these are, it disturbed me. And I'm an adult. And when I saw some of the things that I saw on there, it, it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, and they're young kids doing these disgusting things, like sexual mm-hmm. things. They're like right. 13 years old, 14 years old, and they're doing like these weird, I don't know what they were doing, <laughs> but it was like, what are they doing? Like, and you just scroll fast. You know, I don't want to see it, but how do you not see it? You know, and it's- Well, it's very addicting. It's mm-hmm. very addicting. It and and they is. know, and the, you know, the people that uh, own and operate anything to do with the internet, they know that they got us, right? Yeah. I do, Michelle, I do it with, I do it with- uh, dog videos like mm-hmm. the dodo hope for paws and all that i could sit for hours and just hours rescue <laughs> dog and sit there and cry and i'm like oh i gotta see the next one yeah. you know? i know and two hours later you're like where did two hours like, go what did oh, i God. do i know so listen i i'm telling you remember i said earlier uh we find out where we absolutely can lose control and this is where a uh, young, between 12 and 17, Dep- uh, Deputy Jones was saying, that is the age. I asked him, I said, listen, um, in my neighborhood around our church, you know, what is the likelihood of the, the students, the kids that go to Ukaiba High School, blah, 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 what is the likelihood of them being approached to be sexually exploited uh, in the next year or two, he said, 100%. Mm. That was wow. his, without flinching. Wow. 100%. Um. And, and so the, the thing to do is, this is where we, we are just at the beginning of, okay, this phenomenon of the internet happened. Now we've got to figure out how to train ourselves and our children to have self-control, even when it comes to watching dog videos or mm. TikTok. Where is the self-control going to come in? Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's part of educating our children to be alert and aware. And what, like you said, your friend's daughter is starting to mm-hmm. uh, 
basically she is becoming a, a perfect tar target yes, for a trafficker. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's struggling right now with her. Like they're going to a therapist, and yeah, it's it's getting bad. She's turning into. I mean, it's a good family. Like they have, you know, they're not poor. They have money. They live in beautiful houses being built for them right now. They she has anything and everything she wants, but she's been stealing money from her parents. Um, she's been vaping. She's fifteen years old. She's um, cutting. She is, um, our, you know, our, just. Here's some questions asked. Yeah. Ask, ask if her sleep patterns are off, if her grades yeah. are failing. Yeah, they uh, are. She's disconnecting with her peers. Yes. All of, the things All mean, of that. If she's not involved in something dangerous now, she's, she's setting herself up. If she's on any kind of websites, there are predators. She is yeah, literally addicted. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that those are these are ways that parents wow. can, and and really, the parents have to make a decision and say, listen, you're going to be so mad at me right now, but I'm literally cutting you off mm -hmm. from this right now. I want your passwords, or we're taking yeah, your. She yeah, she's de definitely done that. Um, but her daughter is so addicted to the. She's so addicted to the the internet that. She's lying. She's got caught in a lie. Her, 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 she get, her mother gave her a consequence yesterday saying, you know, if you do this, I'm taking this. So she took it away from her. Literally five minutes later, she found her on the internet saying, mm -hmm. I, have, I have to, I have to do something. I have to with the internet, something with her uh, Instagram. She has to do something. And um, yeah, it's, it's gotten, it's getting really bad and I'm, I'm worried for her. So I, I'm definitely having her listen to this because the both of them need to hear this. It's, um, yeah. And there, there are agencies out there. Um, you know, what might be good for her, Michelle, is have, have her mom tell your friend to go on uh, Operation Underground Railroad. They do okay. a really great job with these little vignette training videos on how to spot victims, how to spot predators. Mm. They're so well done because they're three to five minutes each. So it's not like you're committing to a, you know, hour long thing, but right. you go to their website and, and it'll okay. show you these amazing videos. And if the mom and dad can watch it and then they can get their daughter and say, Hey, come and look at this, you know, mm. and see what's happening out there. Um, that might be a way to get her interested in yeah. the other side of it. Like, like she could, she could go from potentially setting herself up as a victim if she is not already right. part of the solution. Yeah. I'll do oh, this. So it's Operation Underground Railroad. I'm going to have yes, to go on that. Tim Ballard. Yeah, Tim Ballard. In fact, there's a movie that was just done. I think Jim Caviezel, the guy that played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah. I like him. Yeah, yeah he... Mm. He is playing Tim Ballard in a movie about his life oh, and, wow. and starting this uh, organization. Yeah. And what's the name of that? Do you know? Um, I do not know. Okay. The name. But another, so I told you about Out of the Shadows, Contraland, Eight Days, and then there is um, Trading of Innocence. That's an older movie, but that was one of the first ones that came out. Okay. Uh, that that is an excellent movie on the reality mm -hmm. of trafficking. 
Mm, um, another, I wanted to just quickly say, I mentioned Operation Underground Railroad, Shared Hope, million, a million kids, a destiny rescue, and then uh, Children's Riot. Children's mm. Riot is this uh, beautiful young woman. Her focus is on the big tech issues. And if you look her up on Instagram, she is one to follow. She is definitely one to follow. Because she, she's literally, her side of it is uh, the big tech, finding out what's actually being done. Like I was reading something, um, I think it was from her, her information, but she said just a couple of weeks ago, there was a big call out to all big tech to start doing something about um, allowing child exploitation happening through their, you know, through their companies. So Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, Roblox, and Ubo, I think it's called Ubo, um, they are making strides. They are- Roblox, that's what she's addicted to, Roblox. Okay, so they responded mm. favorably, okay? Mm. They know they gotta do something. But you know who would not? Guess who would not? Who would not participate in trying to protect children that has over 66 million images of, of pornography of children. Oh. Facebook. Uh, yeah, I was Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Facebook would not, they will not, hmm. they will not respond. Does anyone they know why? Uh, well, I can speculate um, based on the fact that I'm just stating facts here. You know, there was a time when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was somewhat joined the Facebook group of uh, the North American Man Boy Love Association. But mm -hmm. I don't know if he joined it on purpose. I don't know. But there's speculation, you know, about why. But there's over 66 million inappropriate images in different private groups on Facebook of children in sexual positions and sexual photographs. Why is that being allowed? Mm. Yeah. So it's very concerning. And um, so anyway, Children's Riot, she is a good one to follow on what is currently happening to fight uh, what's happening with big tech. Okay. Well, Devana, we just want to thank you so much. This yeah. has been amazing. You've shared so much information and insight with us, so many things for us to be aware of. Um, yeah. You shared with us a lot of great resources. We just want to thank you so much. This has been really insightful. Thank you. And thank you again for being part of the solution. Uh, I just want to tell your listening audience, there is so much hope. It doesn't sound like it. But remember, we're in the beginning of building the hope. So um, join in, educate yourself, educate your family, educate your friends, go to events, give money when you can to support the boots on the ground people that are getting these children out of dangerous situations. And we can stop this. We can do it. And you said Children of the Night is one of those organizations that for those who- Yes, that, that to me from all my research, it's the first 
organization in our modern times that started addressing children being exploited sexually. And they're also rescuing these children. Oh, yes. And they have an aftercare home right Right. in, uh, I believe it's Burbank, but Dr. Lois Lee. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else, um, Cheryl or Michelle, that you want to say or share before we end? Um, I just want one quick question. Um, It doesn't have to be like um, too long, but the the um, demographics of like the target is it mostly I don't know I think you touched on it maybe in the beginning does it matter whether they come from rich or poor um, families like or throwaways or is it the majority of people the kids throwaways or runaways or things like well, that? Well, the primary target for traffickers are vulnerable children and vulnerable young men and women mm-hmm. appearing to be homeless, appearing to be uh, in poverty. Mm-hmm. Yes, that mm-hmm. is definitely the demographic they start with. But, yeah. but as far as the neighborhood trafficking and, and the trafficking through uh, pornography that's being sold on the web, there yeah. is no respecter of socioeconomic race, nothing. It's, it's happening. Okay. Yeah. It's happening. I even read an article the other day about, I mean, this happens in families. I mean, parents can traffic their children. I read a story of a girl who was trafficked by her own father. He would bring her to, you know, whether it's the mall or a Walmart bathroom or whatever, and send her in there, you know, for favors. And the average customer shopping in a store is just not going to notice you know, if they think they see a little girl with her father, they, you know, they're going to keep moving. They don't, you know, it's not very easily. Right. And you know, it happens right under our noses. It does. And the, the signs that you can, you can notice, especially if it's with a child with somebody that is a relationship to them. Um, you know, they, you can, you can look at children the way they carry themselves and, uh, I think one of you are one of you are a psychologist or um, I thought I read your credentials. One of you was in psychology, but you, you can definitely spot victims of physical and sexual abuse. If you know what you're looking for, I would encourage your audience to look those signs up, but Cheryl, you are correct. That is a huge problem in other countries, but it is now a problem in America and really quickly just so you know, these organizations I mentioned that are, are boots on the ground rescuing children, one of the things they're doing real quickly is they're setting up sting operations. So they are going through these chat rooms on games and social media and that and posing as a 14, 12, 12 13, 14-year-old boy or girl um, when they're really an adult that's been trained. And they then they end up Uh, setting up the sting operations where they're meeting these buyers and busting them. Uh, The New York Times actually came out with this horrific article protecting the buyers saying it's not fair to them because they haven't really raped anybody yet. Um, But they met that makes zero sense. Yeah. Look that up. It's a crazy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you, you definitely 
Yeah, you definitely, when you go on Operation Underground Railroad, they have a horrific story about a little girl that was trafficked from two months old to six years old by her own parents in her suburban home. My last comment is, Jesus, please come soon. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, without, uh, you know, for those, of, for those of us that have a faith, um, my faith in God is what sustains me through the nightmares of my own past, but also just the sadness I feel for, for children waiting to be rescued. And I'm so grateful for that. But um, I just want to make sure that you all know and your listening audience knows there is so much hope. There is so much hope for restoration and stopping this craziness. And that's, that's what we have to believe in and, and, and work towards is the hope. Mm. Amen. Right. Yeah. I would also hope there's some efforts going towards teaching men to not want to purchase. I mean, that would help greatly instead oh, of my goodness. Instead it's of just helping matters. women to learn how to avoid, but obviously get to the root cause instead. And you know, Devana, it, it it still bothers me from the moment you, you started speaking and you mentioned it used to be called child prostitution. It just it just angers me because that makes it sound so much like children are choosing to do this. It's just ridiculous. It is. And it, you have the trafficking term, I think is only about seven or eight years old. Really? Yeah. It, it's, it's like, it's like the patriarchy has not figured out what consent means to this day. Well, you know, there is a big push right now. Uh, and it started in California uh, to to make pedophilia a sexual orientation. And and when we're talking about the root, the hub of where this is coming from, you, you got to dig deep. And when you got legislators that are pushing for pedophilia to be in the same category as uh, sexual orientation and not a crime, uh, you got, we're, that's big trouble for children. So there, again, the layers and the, the sections of creating the solutions to get rid of this are, are numerous and huge. But um, you're, you are right, Cheryl, the buyers, as long as there's buyers, there are going to be sellers mm -hmm. and we have to, I am a mother of all sons, all grandsons. I even have boy dogs <laughs> that I rescued. <laughs> I was like, could I at least have some girl dogs? But um, listen, I, my whole life in parenting and grandparenting, Nana-ing, I'm Nana, is to train the the men and the boys in my life to have this sincere respect and care for not just themselves but every female they encounter my my a little consulting agency moments matter 
is um, ministries is titled that because I believe that every moment and every encounter that we get to have with a child is a divine encounter. We can either make their life better or make their life worse with our words and our actions towards them. And I have trained my boys and I'm, tra I'm training, helping to train my grandkids, my little boys to see women, see girls, first of all, as equals and as um, valuable human beings that deserve respect um, before they earn it. Uh, that's another conversation. But you're right. As long as they're buyers, there's going to be sellers. All right, ladies. Well, why don't we close here? And again, this was fantastic. So, Devana, we just want to say thank you again so much. Thank you, Devana. Thank you. Yes, thank you. That was very interesting. I, I look forward to listening to your other podcasts. I put you on my Facebook and I said, hey, listen to these ladies. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. Bye.